You're now listening to the No GPS After Sunset Podcast. For the holidays, we begin. The John Hughes-produced 1990 film Home Alone is a Christmas holiday classic, a staple in the holiday film diet of millions of people, maybe even billions. But I have a sneaking suspicion that the film is not simply a feel-good spectacle meant for the anchor spot in Christmas movie marathons. I think it speaks to our present life situation in very interesting and revelatory ways. But why is it such an apt expression of our current plight of loneliness in this age of hyperconnectivity? Why is it the perfect analog for our times? Before I attempt to answer those very important questions, please indulge me as I prelude into the semi-autobiographical. Merry New Year! Ha 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 ha! Or shall I say, ho, 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 happy holiday from soccer and not GPS. Away, yay, 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 away, yay, 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 away, yay, 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 yay. On a more serious note, I'm sending the warmest of holiday greetings to those who may be spending this time of the year alone. Please reach out to me at nogpspodcast at gmail.com if you need somebody to speak to. Peace. Apartment 710. I first watched Home Alone in 1991 during Thanksgiving weekend. It came about after I was mercilessly teased by my older godbrothers for not having watched it. With eyes full of tears and a nose full of snot, my godmother took me to the nearest video rental store, Rogers Video nearby Gerard Street East and Victoria Park Avenue. When we got back from the video rental store, I was given permission to watch the Vaunted movie by myself in a living room amongst the adults, while my godbrother stayed in the haunted yet comfortable basement we normally spent holidays in. Thrilled, I watched the movie and instantly fell in love with it. I imagined myself surrounded by the Victorian-era gigas and the -the state-of-the-art home entertainment equipment that filled up the McAllister mansion. The personal agency subjectivity, and self-determination of Kevin struck me as very frontiersman-like, living within the rules and outside of the rules at the same time. Rules that were made by the ruler ruling the ruled. But the ruler is also the ruled in the case of Kevin. He is both object and subject in this film. What a crazy narrow space to live within. Yet it is the only place where invention lives. It is Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. But Kevin was living every child's fantasy. Well, at least those with a rebellious edge to them. To have the whole expanse of your home available to you without limit. All the forbidden corners available for play. 
all the junk food dished out moderately over days and weeks available to be consumed within one sitting, to sleep at ungodly hours and sleep through Saturday morning cleaning routines. Heaven. It's heaven. But I digress. Little did I know that Home Alone was to be the theme of my life for the remainder of the decade. The recession of the early 90s hit my family rather harshly. We went from middle class to working lower middle class overnight. My father would soon leave to Ethiopia and then Eritrea to start up a business in the hopes that the rest of our family would join him when we got settled. But the 98-2000 Ethiopian-Eritrean border war stopped that from coming to fruition. In the absence of my father's income, my mother took on a second job and started adult night school to acquire her high school diploma. Like so many children of my generation, rich and poor alike, I was left to my own wits and devices for the good and bad. Home was traditionally thought to be a space and scene where familial relations occurred. But for us non-moneyed first-generation children growing up in the West, the house was not the scene of grandparents' extended family and close friends. At least not for me. My parents, like so many others coming from war-ravaged nations, did not only work to feed, clothe, and shelter their children, they also worked for the purpose of sending remittances to family, friends, and different humanitarian causes. What were our parents to do? They seemingly had no other choice but to leave us at home alone and to work in the face of such dire circumstances. My own father was a former guerrilla warfighter, trying his best in a whirlwind. And my mother was born in the heart of a war zone and liberated EPLF territories in Eritrea. My mother would even work on off days, I can remember. She would clean vacant apartments in the building we lived in. I would accompany and assist her if I was able to. We would spend weekends in the empty apartments cleaning with rigor and talking up a storm while her favorite soft rock ballads played on the radio in the background. Those are some of my fondest memories as a young boy. Yet, in my lonely moments as a child, as there were many, I found others, seemingly disembodied, to speak with and learn from. These other minds were nowhere near me. The postmodern invention of hip-hop, namely rap, provided an isolated soul like mine an almost tactile connection to others who themselves had been abandoned. Think back to 1975 when President Gerald Ford told the city of New York to drop dead, that a bailout would never come because he would veto it. New York would become the site where neoliberal policies would be first tested. Thus, it would be the birthplace of hip-hop. In my imagined ciphers, though, in my bedroom, my mind instantly went to your mind, Vulcan style, and the connection has since never been severed. This new means of communication was not the descendant of the call-and-response ethos of New World Africans. It was something completely other and alien. The barrier between minds had been breached, and the unconscious came flooding in through our rap speech. And this is the great quantum leap into the realm of invention. But I'll get to that soon. This is a holiday PSA from your dear brother Cornell Ronald, not McDonald West. Forbes has recently revealed my finances to not be what you would think, estimating my net worth to be a measly $40,000. I'm not here to debunk the claim because it's the God honest truth, and I'm not proud of that. Tricking off $15 million in career earnings. Good God almighty, someone said I gotta get it on the good foot. Good God. 
But I'm no hedonist or irresponsible do-good-for-nothing pond scum. I'm broke like most of you dearly beloved listeners because I had the unadulterated mendacity, the uncontested audacity to give, give, and give. I had the unmitigated gall, the unforeseen aptitude to spend, spend, and spend. So this Christmas, I'm no Ebenezer Scrooge. That's to all my sugar babies. I'm in the food bank line with you. With that said, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Don't be like Brother Wes. Save your money for 2024, please. I'm a show survivor, baby. Kevin McAllister would use household items to both entertain himself and combat his foes. These items were mostly inventions in the 1930s, though. Economist Alexander Field informs us that the greatest decade of technological innovation was not the overhyped 1990s, but the 1930s, a decade most people associate with the Great Depression and not with innovation. An era where people the world over were confined to their homes because of the devastation that had wrecked the global economy. Like a gorilla in a desert or jungle. Kevin would retrofit items for uses their manufacturers had never intended. This I could resonate with. What would my family's history of guerrilla warfare and freedom fighting without a hope of winning? This was all instructive for me and my peers who would be stranded home alone in the mid to late 90s. At that specific juncture, many of the social and recreational programs we enjoyed suddenly vanished with the arrival of the Mike Harris PC government in Ontario. Outside would sometimes look like a deserted, dystopian city of the future. Zombified kids kicked out of school would walk the streets during school hours with nothing to do but idle around and get in trouble. As Bobby Brown would sing in his 1989 hit, we were on our own. Many of my friends from that era would not survive it. I would be as bold as to say that Home Alone was an almost perfect expression of the early 90s zeitgeist of the existential loneliness that was to characterize the decade and the ones to follow it. Maybe that's why reality shows like Survivor became so wildly popular at the decade's end. It was the most succinct analog for how we lived our lives. Living like Kevin, stranded and alone, trying to survive by one's own wits and primal instincts. Albeit, Kevin was living in a mansion in the Chicago suburbs. The unexpected benefits of neoliberalism. Yeah, I said it. Sorta. Kinda. Anyways. As neoliberalism's test subjects would create hip-hop and rap, the rest of us living outside of New York City would soon feel the same abandonment of the state. Hip-hop was the perfect vehicle for self-expression and self-possession that the dispossessed had. As I delved into the world of rhyme and pop culture, I learned to intuit the rhymes of others in the cipher for the purposes of winning battles. I learned to couch pop culture references in my raps as a means of drawing other pop culture references from my interlocutors in the cipher, seeing if we could speak through pure metaphor and symbols, not the plain vulgar speech we were accustomed to. I wanted to see if we could communicate exclusively by way of metaphor and symbol, perhaps with the desire to bring the freestyle cipher into direct contact with the structures of the mind, the underlying ones. I was using the cipher as a royal road to cultural and social harmony, well, at least I thought I was. Enmeshed in so much cultural difference growing up, 
I learned to appreciate the plebeian cosmopolitanism of my neighborhood. And that appreciation lent itself to my open arms policy with a variety of cultural forms of expression. How else would I come to like the Delta Blues, British mystery dramas like Poirot, Fela Kuti's saxophone-filled Afrobeat, or Japanese anime? My mind is your mind. Through all of the particulars that would normally cause unreconcilable differences, I could see the universal line that connected all of us in almost a Levi Strauss manner. Yet all of those years while I was home alone, I had been cultivating within me this ability to read others, only because I had spent so much time reading myself. Thus, in the face of social programming cuts, zero-tolerance policies at school, and a financialization of the real economy, we found a way to thrive while others jive to survive. It was this propensity for self-reflection and my mother and brother's love that got me through. Sometimes all you need is a prayer to make it. And we did. Philosopher Linda Zagzebski postulates that there have been two great ideas that have driven advancement in human thought. The first was the idea that human minds could understand the universe. The second is that the human mind can grasp itself. The third, still uncharted and untested idea, is that the human mind can grasp other minds. That is the precipice that the species stands before. The final frontier we must head towards if we are to resolve the present and future culture wars of the 21st century. Whether one was left to fend for themselves by either the state or their parents, the challenge for self-determination and self-mastery was set. To take up this challenge is an individual decision that many like myself did not see as a choice that could be made. The chance to break free from, as Immanuel Kant would put it, self-incurred tutelage finally presented itself to the disenfranchised, just not in the ways that the great minds of the Enlightenment or the 20th century had envisioned it. To finally bring about the self-awareness, self-reliance, and self-mastery that both Jesus and Socrates preached about and philosophized about over two millennia ago. So what have you done with all your time alone? Some of us took up the challenges that self-determination brings about while others twiddled their time away on internet forums, aimlessly meandering, trolling innocents, and doxing normies. The choice is yours how you want to connect to other minds. Just know that the connection has already been made. My mind to your mind. Just like Michael Jackson sang, you are not alone. I am here with you. Though you're far away, I am here to stay. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Take a look at five and ten. It's glistening once again.
for the pearls and diamonds I've been all over grinding Climbing like clips, I'm rhyming Mining like it's the 40 Nine and I'm whining, dining No pining, I'm talking climate Science, I'm flying by them Try them, I'm at the buying Buying, I'm Frankie Lyman Chiming, a fool like Meg Ryan, strike out like Nolan Ryan, sleepless, you notice I've been stiff farming soul Heisman, I'm really no Biden, I'm not your average Hiding, I'll be back at it While in the can of hitters Sealing it out of bitters Bitter, they, they don't feel up Feeling, I'll be the realest Villain, and while you talk Billing, I just be cold Chilling, I'm on the throne Willing like you ain't whole Milling, I be death row Grilling, I be front row Sitting like 94 Illing the source of wards Chipping 95 boots Tilling, I make it rain Timberland, I'm a harvest Grow around the globe like roll. Like me, like me.